Seinfeld, the keys is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who love to yearn, the big yearners. I'm Rob Tessner. Here's Akiba Winokur. Akiba, how are you? I'm more of a crave guy myself. <laughs> but do you ever yearn? Um, I mean, I, I guess I yearn for food, but really I just crave food. Akiva, who has your spare keys? Um, I, I just needed my spare keys. My, um, we went to a neighbor's house, and they're the ones with our spare keys. And um, my, my wife gave my son, my baby son, um, our keys. Yeah. And I mean, we have multiple copies, but we only brought one with us. Yeah. Uh, and we couldn't find what he did with them because he's one and he's a baby. And, you know, who knows what he did with them? Makes sense. Um, and luckily, because it was like 11 o'clock when we were leaving at night, um, luckily they were the ones who had our keys because or else we basically were going to have to sleep on their couch. Yeah. Um, because there was no, you know, we, they were the only people who had our keys. Uh, and then about three days later, my friend found uh, my keys in his sneakers. <laughs> Yeah, so the, I mean, the moral of the story is don't have children. Yeah, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> there you go. I am not a give my keys to other people. I'm more of a I'm going to find a good hiding spot for my keys kind of guy. Oh, OK. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I don't mind giving my keys to other people. Um, but I, I see that. Is it a, like you don't like giving your keys to other people or you just don't have anyone to give them to anymore? Yeah, I don't have anybody to give them to. And I also feel like if I ever lock myself out of my apartment, then if that person's not home, I don't want to be in the situation like Jerry was in where he locked himself out of his apartment and then he can't find Elaine. Yeah, I will say I'm, I'm pretty obsessive about my keys. Like I always kind of know where they are. Yeah. Um, in where I live now, it's good that the, you can't, it's impossible to lock yourself out because there's no like uh, like lock on the doorknob. So it's just like the deadbolt. So you can only like, unless somebody purposely like locks you out, you can't lock yourself out by accident, which is probably going to cut down on the number of times I lock myself out. That being said, um, you know, I used to always like in the apartment, like be like looking for places like, oh, could I like, I wonder if I like go and tape my key like underneath the table in the laundry room, then even if somebody found it, they'd have to test every door to know it was my key. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's like a little bit of effort. I also want to know, and obviously anyone who listens to the podcast knows we're all about respect for women on this podcast. Of course. That's our motto. But, um, practically the subtitle for this podcast. Yes. But, uh, uh, it is interesting. I've found in my extensive research that women appear to be more apt to lose keys than men. Hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't say I lose the keys. I'm more likely to like forget them in the house. Yeah, I, that's in the same family, though. Yeah, that's true. But I rarely like lose the keys. So, you know, it's more like, ah, I didn't take them with me and they're st- still in the house. I would also even if you were a give your friends the keys guy, I don't know if you'd be giving Kramer your keys. No, no, probably not. All right. So we're going to get into all that here today. Talking about the keys, the season three finale. We did it. Uh, yeah, this is really the first season we completed. Yeah. How about that? Uh, you know, because one is so short and then two is also like a half a season. And this is a full season. Pat ourselves on the back. We did it. Assuming we get through today's podcast without incident. I mean, what could happen? Well, like what would happen that we didn't get through today's podcast? Power could go out. I guess we could get into like a big fight and, you know, I could, you know, one of us, we well, already in L.A. So, yeah. My wife could come home and she could be mad at me for God knows what and start just start yelling at me and say, that's it. 
just Did, like, would she pull the plug? Like, could she be mad enough to pull the plug on your whole studio? I mean, she could be. I mean, I wouldn't, I never, what did you do? I, well, I don't even know, but I would never say that like she's incapable of doing <laughs> X, you know, um, she could come in here with a baseball bat and start just smashing the computer. Um, I mean, wow, that would be, that would make for a great podcasting. <laughs> it would be, but it would, it would never make the air cause it would destroy the equipment. And then we would not finish season three. And if that happens, does that mean we just don't, we never finish? Like, is that the end of your whole regime? Mm, it depends. I mean, she could kill me. If, okay. So now if she <laughs> kills you, like, do we have, do we have sort of like, uh, like what happens? Do I just do the rest of the Seinfeld podcast with Josh Wiggler? Do we call up, do we call up Chester? Like, do we have a, an order of succession here? A contingency plan? I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd like you to go on. I mean, I'd, what? Like, I'd like you to, but I mean, I would feel like I would like you to sort of, you know, name check me, you know, at some point in all the shows. Oh, we definitely mention you at least once an episode. Okay. Yeah. But, and Rob has a podcast. Like you'd want that continue to continue, but would it still be Rob has a podcast? Mm, that would be a little morbid. It would be sort well, of what like about, a, but it's also like, you know, they'll have like uh, Murphy and sons, you know, refrigerator store Murphy Brown. Well, the Murphy Brown, maybe, but then, you know, like the Murphys haven't owned the refrigerator store in like 50 years. They Daniel just never Murphy? the name. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> uh, he owns a refrigerator store, but he only sells his fridges to certain people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there is something wrong with that. Um, so I would say to, uh, you know, keep it going. I just don't know who would keep it going. Like, I don't know who would, you know, want to do what, what I do. It's like, it's, it's no walk in the park. Right. I guess it's much easier if something happens to me. Like if I don't make it to season four, you could call up anybody. Like I don't record. I don't, you know, I'm very easy, easily replaceable. Yeah, but I'm not sure if I know anybody else who has the uh, willpower to want to do this. That's fair. I mean, I feel like I don't know if the time thing would work, but I bet Chester would be up for it. Okay, we'll see. I mean, I could, <laughs> I could always like see who was up for it. I'm sure you'd find somebody. It's only six more seasons. Yeah. Um, well, let's hope we don't have to make that call. Uh, yeah, okay. But we should just get this stuff down in writing just in case. <laughs> well, we, we have a recording. Again, as long yeah, as yeah, yeah. my wife doesn't come <laughs> in with the baseball bat, we should be good. All right, fair enough. Okay. All right, we're talking about The Keys, of course, uh, which is the 22nd episode of Seinfeld Season 3. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Okay. And uh, we are going to uh, talk about this episode in which uh, there's a whole lot of you give me your keys, I want my keys back, you have the keys to my place. There's a lot of that. Also, the A story is uh, probably Kramer and he is mad at Jerry and he is going to go to the coast. Uh, yeah, that was, that is. And this is I mean, I don't know how people really view it, but you could call this part one of a three parter uh, in in connection with the trip. That's a two parter to start season four. Yeah. And I, I believe I actually misspoke. I believe it's actually the 23rd episode of season three, depending on if you count the boyfriend as one show or two. Yeah, yeah. The, um, no, no, no. I, I think the discrepancy also, uh, if we wanted to get super technical, which obviously we always do, um, is that um, some people count the stranded uh, as a, so. It's really you were right when you said it's the twenty second episode they made. Um, although, if you want to get even more, com this is like the keys with the Jerry. But they did film this as we said last week. Um, before the parking space, but I think that was just logistical. Yeah, my DVD called it the 22nd episode and Wikipedia calls it the 23rd episode. So it's a right, little bit of a Seinfeld made, like the, the DVDs come from the horse's mouth. So we could, we could, you know, we could go with them, but uh, it's the 40th episode overall. Yes, and for, I was gonna say, and for us, it's a milestone, number 40. We're like SNL. 
Uh, yeah, we're going to have like all of our old, all the old episodes were invited back, <laughs> except for the Dennis Miller episode. <laughs> yes. All right. So uh, that's what we're talking about here today on uh, Seinfeld, the post show recap. Of course, you could subscribe. We're 40 episodes in. If you want to get uh, get on this, we got a lot of good stuff coming season four all the way through the end of Seinfeld. Jump in now. Postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Akiva, you have any Seinfeld news this week? Uh, yes. Should we start with the um, the bad news or should we start with the lighter uh, stupid news? Always start with the bad news. Okay, fine. Get Is that, that like a way. broadcasting? Is that a broadcasting trick? Well, I just feel like if anybody is telling me like I have uh, good news or bad news and then they're like their good news is it's like sh- shut up just tell me the what tell me who died tell me the bad stuff I will tell you who passed and we did lose a member of the Seinfeld family this week real name uh, Daniel Van Bargen or Von Bargen yeah uh, but we know him of course as Mr. Kruger George's boss in season nine. Oh, uh, yeah very sad it just happened uh, it just came out I think yesterday it, it, he, I think he passed on Sunday yeah. of this week and uh, mostly it's a complicated story, um, but his uh, his passing, but it was mostly due to complications from diabetes. And he really struggled the last few years of his life. Uh, he had a, he had a leg removed. He, had, he was having some toes removed. Uh, diabetes kind of took over from the obituaries I, I was reading. Okay. Um, but he was re- he was uh, he was a very important part of season nine. Kruger, uh, of course, went to the first Festivus c- ceremony. <laughs> you know, he even he was a generous man. He gave George uh, twenty thousand dollars. To the human fund. <laughs> yeah, and of course, uh, the connection with George was amazing that George was in the background of his family portrait in his office. Yes. Okay. So uh, very uh, sad news. Not a fun fact. Uh, so uh, what is the good news, though? Uh, and then uh, George Costanza, the character, not Jason Alexander, the person. Um, Grandland had a contest. I don't know if you saw this, Rob. I did not. The best second banana of all time. Yes. So like the, you know, the number two, like the Andy Richter or the... Yes. People still know who Andy Richter Was is. Was this a Leonard Nimoy thing? Is this why they did this? No, they actually did it before Leonard Nimoy. I didn't even know Leonard Nimoy was a, was a number two. Okay. Because I've never seen uh, Star Trek. <laughs> yes. Star is that right? Trek, Trek, Star Trek. Trek that's I've never seen what? Wars or Trek. <laughs> I like to say when people ask me, I like to say like, oh yeah, it pretend like, oh yeah, I was cool. Like I was hanging out with the ladies and, but I wasn't, but I just wasn't watching Star Trek either. Okay. Um, but anyway, so they had a, a 64, you know, person or thing tournament for the best uh, second banana. And the finals was George Costanza versus the great country of Canada. And uh, George Costanza prevailed. So he's the greatest second banana of all time. Uh, I, I don't like it when they get into like, uh, like now we're going to have we're going to have sidekicks from sitcoms. We're going to have countries. We're going to have this. Stop. Stop it. Too ridiculous. He got too cute. He got too cute. Like it was like you, you could have had a real thing and then you got too uh, cute. Like uh, was like, oh, jelly is in there also as this, <laughs> the second banana to peanut butter. And then, uh, you know, uh, it's it's too much. You don't like when they have like uh, the Super Bowl and they rate all the soups. That's fine. But then don't also put like, you know, uh, you know, Game Boy on the list. Also, it's like, oh, well, the Game Boy was super. Also, so or Super Nintendo. Oh, I hear you. So they've got too cute with like it should just be people. It shouldn't be concepts or countries. Right. You want to rank like the top, you know, second, you know, people like, uh, you know, Robin, uh, both uh, the woman that goes with Howard Stern and also the guy that hangs out with Batman. Uh, you know, you want to do that. That's fine. But don't don't get too cute. Stop it. I think Robin was in there. Yeah. Um, but uh, she Robin, no, Robin Quivers. Yes. 
Uh, she, but she lost the Samwise. Uh, who's Samwise Gamgee? Uh, that is uh, from Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay, fine. I've actually seen Lord of the Rings, but I, I, I got it mixed up for a second with Samuel Tarley. Yes, that's a different, different thing. Different, uh, different universe of things. Uh, yeah, Can- Canada took down Ed McMahon, John C. Riley. Yeah. <laughs> and George Beat, Marty Jannetty, Art Garfunkel, Mustard. Stop, that's not stop, Colonel, Mustard. That's not okay. Colonel Mustard. Uh, Luigi. <laughs> okay. Scotty Pippen. All right. And, and then the great country of Canada. <laughs> All right. Well, you've outdone yourselves now, Grantland. <laughs> well done. All right. Uh, you ready to get talk about the keys? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very uh, dated stand up uh, starts off this episode. Jerry talking about the Ginsu knife. Yeah, I think this is the worst stand up we've heard so far. It just, you know, it's it, it's dated and it's not it probably wasn't funny in in. Uh, <laughs> In the middle of hammer time when he was giving it. <laughs> I think it might have been funny at, at that point, but Jerry says he finally caved in and got the Ginsu knife and the operator called him was like, really? Was Ginsu ever more popular than Cutco? Yeah, oh, I think so. Ginsu knife was a big deal. Uh, I feel, are they still around? Like, I feel like Cutco may have taken some market share. Um, I don't know. If I do a, sur- uh, a search for Ginsu knife, uh, I bet they are. I bet you get who like, do you think? Who do you think has more uh, hits on Google? Ginsu yeah. or Cutco? Uh, like you can get like Ginsu stuff on uh, Amazon, so they're still going Ginsu. Uh, uh, I just did it. The answer is just about the same. Ginsu wins uh, four hundred thirty-one thousand to three hundred ninety-nine thousand, so it's close. It's close. So congratulations on <laughs> Ginsu. Ginsu. By the way, if you want to sponsor the podcast, we will. Uh, United Airlines never got back to us, so Ginsu, we're 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 waiting. Did they ever jack up the prices for those plane tickets you bought? Oh uh, no, they just canceled them, and then the the DOT uh, had their back, and uh, so plane tickets canceled. <laughs> oh. Save me money though, because the the tickets were they were <laughs> they weren't direct. So I'd rather stay home all summer. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. Anyway, so let's uh, start with this episode, and it starts in an interesting way with uh, a little bit of a montage of. You know, all these times when Kramer is screwing things up uh, for Jerry. We start off first thing. uh, Jerry is uh, going ahead and walking. Now, is this the last time we're going to hear Jerry's uh, internal monologue? In the whole series? Yeah, or will we hear more of Jerry's? No, we definitely definitely hear hear more of Jerry's monologue. Okay. So he's like, what is it about sleeping that makes you so thirsty? Do dreams require water? Uh, and I don't know if they just like put that in in post or it was like, oh, this isn't funny yet to start the show. And so let's just throw a line in there to try to make this funnier. Yeah, because you don't really know what's happening until you kind of see Kramer. Yeah. And then he bumps into Kramer and he's he's scared. He says, uh, you scared me. It's like, it's just me. He's like, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny that Jerry was nonplussed by the door being open in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, like that should have been scarier than the reveal that it was Kramer. Yeah, that I leave the door open. Um, it's funny also when Kramer is like doing one of his patented like Kramer like leaving the apartment and like being like all very physical. Like he very clearly knocks the pipe which runs uh up and down from Jerry's uh like ceiling to floor. Like he knocks that like clear off like a very like blatantly showing that it's a a prop set and not like a real pipe i'd be very concerned if that pipe ran in my house and it acted in the way that it acts when kramer runs into it yeah you also appreciate kramer's physical comedy more when you know his his girlfriend who you see for two seconds uh gucci uh when she tries to do physical comedy in a couple minutes and like totally spazzes out 
Yeah. Uh, you appreciate Kramer more. She's not good. Uh, then we see the second time that Jerry comes in, he has to really go to the bathroom and Kramer is in the bath. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That bath looked a little sleazy in there also. <laughs> also, I like the the movie TV thing where like the bubbles are on the ceiling. Like I haven't <laughs> taken a lot of bubble baths, but my kids have. And yeah. like there aren't just bubbles all over the all over the bathroom. There sure were a lot of bubbles in there for Kramer's bath. Yeah, they probably had like a bubble maker going on the other side of the bathroom. They might have. And then the last thing that happened was that Jerry came home with a date from a movie and the movie got canceled and Kramer was in Jerry's apartment with his date, Gucci. So what was Kramer going to do? Have sex in Jerry's bed? I mean, it's it's hard to really get yourself in Kramer's head, but I mean, maybe he just brings, I mean, I think he's saying he brings girls back there because his apartment is so gross. It would probably, you know, turn them off. You would think that this would be grounds to end the friendship, right? I mean, knowing what we know about Jerry, if he found out that Kramer was having sex with strange women in his bed, I would think that he would, that would just be like, you know, no doubt about it. That's it. You know, turning the keys. I never want to see you again. I'd say for anybody else, you're right. But, you know, you have to have a soft spot for Kramer. You can't treat him like a normal person. Yeah. And this Gucci, by the way, does show up again. Uh, <laughs> she actually... She actually, uh, but not as Gucci, she dates uh, George in the Cigar Store Indian in season five. Uh, but then uh, then uh, Estelle Costanza lets, uh, Gu- lets Gucci, who's then called Sylvia, know that uh, when she's been going back to George's house. So she keeps going back to other people's houses that aren't theirs. Interesting. Um, when she goes back to George's house, she thinks it's George's. But Estelle's like, oh, no, no, no. George lives in our house. Yeah, so do you think it's the same person or I know it's the same actress. Do you think she that Gucci has turned over a new leaf? I think no one's ever posited that before in the history of the world. So we may be onto something here. <laughs> We're having a conversation for the first time ever. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever had this. Con- <laughs> like even the actress probably never thought about this. <laughs> the Carissa Not Channing even on the or set whatever where name. She's like, am I playing the same character <laughs> I was the last time I was on Seinfeld? Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you speak when you're spoken to Carissa yeah alright so during this this is when Jerry says that's it you're going to give me the keys uh, that's it you lost your key privileges yeah so he doesn't he doesn't cut him off completely he just wants the keys back yes um, and Kramer says you're going to regret this I wish you will it's true, <laughs> that's true. it ends up co- costing Jerry uh, you know a lot of stress yeah and so Kramer very upset and he like leaves but he leaves Gucci behind uh, yeah, you listen, you know, he he's nervous. He doesn't want to bring Gucci back to his place. Yeah, he probably hasn't cleaned it since the, you know, he never got his vacuum back as far as we know from the guy in the coma. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so now we see that uh, now Jerry is going to give his keys to Elaine. She's going to be the holder of the keys. Now, I think this is going to be a recurring theme in this episode and, and a recurring criticism. I don't understand the key relationships that are having. It's almost like um, it's like Jerry should have Elaine's keys and Jerry should have George's keys and George should have Jerry's keys at this point. And, and that's it. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't know. This must've played funnier in the writer's room than uh, when it actually played out. Um, but first of all, it's a little bit like game of Thrones. Like, wait, who's that? Who, you know, it's hard to, you have to almost like keep a list to keep track of who has whose keys. Um, but but yeah, why can't Jerry's wealthy? Why can't he make two copies of his key? Give one to Elaine, one to George. Yeah. And it just makes no sense whatsoever that Elaine and George would be key friends. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think you know there is a covenant to the keys that maybe we don't appreciate, <laughs> especially you don't appreciate. You're not a you don't you don't have anybody who you have a covenant of the keys with. That's right. Um, but uh, but I, I do think you know it doesn't really make sense at face value. It doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, so. Elaine is at Jerry's house. She's the new keeper of Jerry's keys. Um, and <laughs> uh, Jerry explains that Kramer broke the covenant of the keys. Yeah. I mean, does everyone know about the covenant of the keys or, or did uh, Kramer just invent it? <laughs> I'm not sure. But he broke the covenant of the keys. Did you know about the covenant of the keys? I mean, I, when I saw this episode, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, beforehand, I don't like I was nine years old. I don't, I don't know about it. We start to see a lot of like rationalization from Kramer where he's like, you know, he's happy with how things turned out. Yeah, I do. Th- he views this as like a, as a positive long term experience because he realizes he's a loser, not quite the level of loser that George Costanza is, as we'll find out in a couple scenes. But, uh, you know, I think he has like a you know, uh, an aha moment here to quote the great Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Yes, he uses this whole, you know, story about the keys and and how this turned out to sort of like take a sort of a real long look in the mirror how things have turned out for him uh yes i although i i do love as uh it, i really love the next scene yeah uh, when he when he when he turns the tables on george yeah and also before we get to that uh kramer is going to ask for his keys back to the apartment yeah and this is just a little too petty of kramer like he should be above this he knows jerry didn't do anything wrong he knows that this was his mistake and why should he punish Jerry for what he did wrong? Yeah, well, it's tit for tat. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's what he was trying to do before Jerry came back to the apartment. Yeah. All right. So now here's uh, George and Kramer at the diner. And I thought this is a, a very funny scene because uh, <laughs> uh, we saw when Jerry gives the keys back to Kramer, the keys are on like a gigantic key ring. There's like 100 keys on Kramer's keychain. Yeah, so I always thought watching the episode that Jerry had like a hundred keys and he just never knew which one was Kramer's. But I guess that whole chain is Kramer's and, and Jerry doesn't know which one it is. Yeah. Cause George like holds it up. Like, see, I have Kramer's keys. And, and like, I think it was a Kramer thing more so than a Jerry thing. Like why would Jerry have so many keys? Yeah. It's not even useful then to have Kramer's keys. Cause you'd never be able to, you know, use them to get in if you needed them. Yeah. It was like on the survivor from uh, last week where they had like a challenge where like you'll have a bunch of keys and locks and then you have to figure out which key opens the right lock or you could untie the knots and everybody just ended up untying the knots. Yeah, I would be I would be a knot man. I, I think the locks I would be nervous with the locks that like I did one and it was right, but I didn't pull hard enough. So now I'm like drawing dead by, you know, putting <laughs> the ro- key in the wrong locks forever. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, anyway. So Kramer wants George to have his keys. And then he also wants the keys to George's apartment. But George can't give him those keys because Elaine has George's keys. Uh, yeah, we, you almost need to like start, uh, you know, take out a piece of paper and a pen if you're listening and write down who's got whose keys. It gets confused. <laughs> and, and Kramer talks about how Jerry's keys left him in a fantasy world. You know, as long as he had Jerry's keys, he didn't have to face his own reality. It was like he was on vacation. Yeah, it's like having a free hotel room whenever you want. Yes, he was, you know, living in twilight, living in the darkness, and he was like you. <laughs> <laughs> and he wants to know, does George ever yearn? I uh, know George craves, but does not yearn. Yes. Uh, have you ever yearned? Are you asking me or is yes. this? <laughs> I'm asking you. Um, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I like, again, if I get hungry, like today I fasted. So like probably by 3 p.m. I was yearning for some food. Mm hmm. So I could say, yes, I have yearned, but never for anything other than food. That's really, 
most of my life is just worrying about my next meal. That's it. Uh, no, I, I feel like I have yearned, but not yearned recently. Yeah, I also I do like I do yearn for the Mets to win a World Series once in my lifetime. Uh, I've given up on that. <laughs> I am way too far away from and far removed from that. I will take a Mets World Series or a Jets Super Bowl. Yeah, well, keep yearning, buddy. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll keep you. I crave it and I yearn for it. Yeah. And so Kramer like starts getting on a soapbox to George. He's like, look at you. You're wasting your life. Uh, and he said, uh, do you have a job? Do you have a woman? Do you have anything on the horizon? Do you have any action, any reason to get up in the morning? And George has a really good line. Like, well, I like to get the daily news. Yeah, he's so earnest here. Like, you're right. I have nothing, but I do like the newspaper. Yeah, he loves Mike Lupica. Yeah, we know that. He loves Lupica. He wants to know if the... Remember, back then you had to like get the newspaper to find out if your team won or not. Yeah, you had to see what was going on. And Mike Lupica is the only constant. He's still there. Um, well, the constant also, if we find that in one more scene that the Mets lost. So that's a constant also. <laughs> also a constant uh, in this horrendous uh, 1992, uh, which can't end soon enough uh, for the Mets. And Kramer tells George, we need to grow up. And he's got the acting bug. Uh, ever since he made that movie and George was just like, what from these pretzels are making me thirsty. You had one line and you got fired from the movie. Yeah. I love the callback, especially since like the show doesn't call itself back a lot. Uh, they leave like a lot of, um, you know, ends like untied in the first couple seasons, but we're about to get into the show being serialized in season four. So I like that they're calling back a previous episode. Yeah. And Kramer was George is coming with him. Are you coming with me? And obviously, George is not coming with him. No, he's like, no, I'm not going with you. Uh, Kramer says, but we're key brothers now. Yeah, uh, George is a come with guy, but he's not a come with to California. <laughs> That's guy. right. That's right. And uh, Kramer says, look, in his head, he's already gone to California. <laughs> so uh, very a little bit of a cliche. Kramer just has the acting bug, wants to get out of town. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Kramer will do anything not to work an honest day, you know, so acting is uh, right up his alley. Okay, so now we see George at Elaine's place, and George needs his keys back because he needs to give them to Kramer. Yeah, rare, a rare George and Elaine scene. Yes, and Elaine, uh, then she wants her keys back. Yeah, everyone's so petty here. <laughs> yeah, and Elaine, uh, ultimately, you know, uh, she walks away from George in that scene. like, uh, I got to get some new friends. Um uh, we do see on, on Elaine's table, she has what we will find out later is the Murphy Brown script. Yeah, right. George starts fuddling through some papers um, and he doesn't see what it is now, but they will. It will come back into play later. Yeah. You know, I had forgotten that Elaine was writing the Murphy Brown script. I knew that Kramer was going to end up on Murphy Brown. But the biggest thing that I thought after watching this episode is, boy, Jerry and George are real a-holes that uh, in the next season, they're going to work on this whole like plot of that they have their own sitcom and they have a script. They never invite Elaine to be a writer on the show. And they know that she's writing a Murphy Brown script. Right. So the, uh, the benefit I'll give them, and trust me, I've given this thought, even when it was on the air, I remember thinking that when you write a pilot, and I'm not Bob Hollywood here, but from what I know, Joe Hollywood. I, I'm not, well, I'm not Joe Hollywood or his cousin, Bob, like his <laughs> almost cousin, Bob Hollywood. Um, his key brother. Yes, his key brother. I think when you write a well, pilot, it's just one or two people. Then when you get picked up for series, then you can hire a whole staff of writers. So even though it is jerky, kind of, you'd think that Elaine would get hired if they got. And of course, the Seinfeld pilot in, at the end of season four has something very strange, which is 
they air the pilot on NBC, uh, but nothing else of the show. Yeah. So uh, it's never, you know, it never really gets picked up the series. But, but they uh, never even ask Elaine to read the script, right? They only ask her to like punch it up or get get her thoughts. It's true. Although she starts doing much better professionally in season four. Um, it is fair. Like if you were in a group of four best friends, you know, you could dream of this. Then you'd want, you know, if two of them were going off doing something, you know, you'd want to at least be like somewhat included. Give give me like an associate producer credit or something. Yeah. I mean, it would be like if like I was trying to make a podcast and then my two other friends like went and like started a radio show uh, and never like asked me to like be a part of what they were doing. Like and Elaine never complains. Right. And they don't even ask you for advice. Yeah. They don't do anything. <laughs> They're really jerky. Um, anyway, so uh, Jerry and George are, are talking and uh, Jerry is concerned about Kramer. They want to open up Kramer's apartment and George has the keys. Uh, yeah. And amazing. He, he knows which key is which. He knows which key is which. And they're opening up Kramer's apartment and we don't get to see, but we do see Newman come by. And Newman is definitely acting odd in this scene. They describe him as acting coy. He's almost acting sort of like um, how somebody like in a 40s like gangster film would act. Yeah. So now we've established that a lot of our uh, core four are horrendous liars. But Newman of everyone is probably the worst liar out there. Yeah. And, and he's wacky here. Yeah. And, and, and again, this is right after Newman's you know, turned to being a good guy last week when he's agreeing with Jerry on the sidewalk. You know, he's right back to evil Newman in this episode. Yeah. And so uh, from this, we end up seeing uh, Newman, like they ask him, uh, like, uh, what's going on? And he's like, uh, you know, I can't I can't say anything. And they're talking about, is he being coy? And he's like, all right, he went out. For, he went out to the coast. And uh, he's, you know, again, talking in that sort of like 40s uh, type movie. And Jerry is like being very intimidating with Newman. Uh, yes. And he calls Newman tiny, which is very funny. <laughs> yeah. And he like is like banging on the wall to like intimidate Newman. Yeah. Jerry's annoyed because I think he fe- he has guilt about the Kramer thing. But but Newman is also a huge coward. Yeah. I mean, Newer, Newman is hiding behind the lane at one point in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's like, uh, you can't hurt me. There's a witness. And he's like, George, turn around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's bullying. Jerry's a bully. He's bullying. All right. So we see cut to Kramer driving out to the coast. Uh, Again, ambitious to uh, drive out from New York to L.A. by yourself. Uh, And Kramer's car breaks down. Yeah, Kramer really, if you look, if you pay a lot of attention, has a different car in almost every episode that he drives. Like this is a much different car than the one that stalls at the end of the parking garage. Yeah. And um, we're going to see Kramer continuing his journey in a number of different ways uh, later on in the episode. So George and Elaine and Jerry are sitting there and something starts here in this scene that is going to be sort of a runner through the rest of the episode. And I want to know what your take is. Um, So what do they say to Elaine that she says? uh, Basically, it's uh, BS. Um, Yeah, Jerry's trying to say like the Kramer forced his hand and that that's the only reason why he took away Kramer's keys. Yeah, he had no choice. And it's very funny in this scene. Like Elaine basically like calls it like uh, like bull, like under her breath. And Jerry's like, what did you say? And and nothing. I didn't say say anything. I'm like, I could have sworn I thought you said something like, no, no. Uh, And it's going to happen two more times. What do you think of this? Yeah, it's funny because you almost like, you know what she's saying. Like, you know, she's basically cursing under her breath. I mean, I guess you could also add the, you know, I need new friends muttering that under breath to this also. 
Yeah, but that doesn't have the same. What did you say, Elaine? Oh, nothing. I didn't say right, anything. right. And it's not a curse like the other three, I think, are. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, Elaine really doesn't have a lot to do this episode. So maybe they're just giving her like a tiny little, you know, thing here. Okay, so Jerry calls up Kramer's mom, Babs. Uh, and he calls her up and um, he, you know, is trying to get through to her. I don't know if he talks to her or not. We don't hear her end of, the, of what she's saying. But Jerry tells us that she's dr- completely wasted. Yeah. So we already know that from the nose job that, uh, you know, that Kramer's mom is like a crazy alcoholic. What the guy calls her like a vile woman, right? The super. Yes. So we know that she's not, you know, uh, a great, you know, an upstanding member of society. So it, it fits. There's a lot of jokes before we meet Babs. We only see her, I think, twice, uh, you know, in the famous episode where we learn Cosmo Kramer's name and then the finale. But. Uh, there's a lot of jokes throughout the uh, first few seasons of the series that she's like a raging alcoholic. All right. Now, did you notice what we hear when Jerry's on the phone with her? No. There is like blaring like opera music. And the song, I believe, is the song from uh, Pagliacci. Uh, which one's Pagliacci? The opera is which oh, okay, cra- yeah. the sad clown do you think that is it possible that crazy Joe Davola could have been at <laughs> at Kramer's mom's house? We're really breaking ground with this episode. I think, uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good find by you. I think the it's possible that's the only opera song that you could get cleared or something, or it it's like be. public domain. Yeah, that's my or you know I, I would put the odds at under one percent that they remembered that that was the song on. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think it's probably that that was the only thing that they could license. Uh, but anyway. That being said, so we go to now Jerry locking himself out of his apartment. Uh, right. So Jerry and then Elaine has his keys. So he's, you know, he's got to go all the way to Elaine, but he also doesn't even have a phone because it's pre cell phone era to call Elaine and, and say, come on over. He has to go to the pay phone and he's, uh, you know, looking for Elaine. And we end up going to see Kramer now on the back of some guy's motorcycle. Yeah, this is a wacky scene. <laughs> it's wacky because Kramer's like talking to the guy and he's asking him like, oh, so you ever been in an accident? Uh, and he's like, yeah, there was a rock in the road on, on this very road. And I, it's like, um, I know I'm, I'm setting myself up for disappointment here. Uh, do you ever see uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Nope. No, it's a shades of like large Marge of like, it was 10 years ago on a night just like this. Uh, and basically, the guy is like recounting an accident that happened basically in the same exact situation. He's like, I always wear a helmet now. I mean, did that that came out before this? That came out, in, I believe, in 1985, 86. All right. So maybe there maybe there's like I know a lot of the comedy people love Pee Wee Herman. So. No, I don't think it was an homage or anything like that. I think they would have done uh, more of a, um, you know, they would have done it, it like more of a, a tip of the hat if it was. It was just it was somewhat similar. And also, uh, he mentions he was in a coma and then he came out of the coma. But then somehow Kramer still doesn't know later on in the series that people come out of comas. Yeah. He should pay more attention is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Pay more attention. Okay. Um, So now George comes to the diner and Jerry wants Elaine's keys so he can get in and get his keys from Elaine's house. Right, right. He's using George's spare set of Elaine's keys to get into Elaine's house to get Jerry's keys. And George has reservations about this. I think rightfully so. Yes, because Elaine is going to be pissed. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. Like, 
clearly since remember Jerry is about to get Elaine's keys in the you know the four way trade here. Yeah. So this is really just cutting out the middleman and giving Elaine giving Jerry Elaine's keys uh, directly instead of giving them back to Elaine and then having Elaine give them to Jerry. Yeah, I feel like the rule should just be you are holding my keys for me. You're not allowed to go and open my apartment and go in my apartment without me. Like you are the only reason you have my keys are so that if I get locked out, you have my keys. That's it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, listen, is that in the covenant of the keys though? That should be if it's not. That's probably rule number one. Let's update it. I, th- I think that's, that's got it. I mean, rule number one is probably like, don't lose them. Yeah. But rule, this is rule number two. Right, rule number one is do not lose the keys and put them in a safe place. Is that all? Is that one A? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's one A, one B. A lot of these keys, especially in New York City, where, you know, and we know Jerry, uh, we learned in an early episode, got like the really fancy locks, um, you know, because he wanted to prevent break ins and he'd had a lot of break ins. So a lot of these New York City keys cost like $100 to copy. Wow. How about that? Um, Number two. uh, So do not lose the keys, put them in a safe place. Then number two is going to be don't give anybody my keys. Don't give away the keys. Okay. Uh, number three, don't is use number three the Kramer rule. Like, don't use them yeah. to entertain ladies. Well, d- possibly, it- is it possible she was a prostitute? That woman. Mm, she didn't. Her seem name that cons- was Gucci. She didn't seem that concerned about her money. That's true. And she didn't leave with him. She she wasn't like, hey, who's gonna pay me? That's true. I mean, um, you know, but people know, like in that apartment, prostitutes don't get paid. Yeah, we know that. That's, that's well the chickless rule. That's well known. Uh, so number three is probably don't use the keys without my permission. Yeah. And we usually, Rob, uh, mention this at the end, but I, I think it's the elephant in the room here. None of this would happen in 2015. Yeah. Why is that? Because you just well, one phone call solves almost everything in this episode. Yeah. Elaine, can Jerry have my keys? Yes. No. Or OK. Goodbye. Text. A text, at least. Even a te- I mean, anything. A, a telegram. This this is probably the number one episode so far in terms of could never happen in present day. No, there, there's been other ones that are more uh, like that. Um, I've in the phone message, uh, which is an episode revolving around an answering machine tape. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. But yeah. this is up there. I mean, this, it's this couldn't there. happen nowadays. Yeah. All right. Even and, Kramer, like I'd call Kramer and say like, if I'm Jerry, like, please, you know, you could have my keys back. I'll give you $500. Just don't go out to California. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping in a couple of years I could just open up doors with my iPhone. Is that is that like on the horizon? I think so. Yeah. Like if I could do if I could pay at the store with my phone, I feel like I should be able to open my doors. Yeah. But then like everyone's going to be stealing iPhones left and right. No, it only works if I'm in uh, the vicinity. What does that mean? Like if I steal your <laughs> let's say I steal your you iPhone. You have to Rob. kill me also and like lug me around over your shoulder. Why? <laughs> what, it senses the door senses you your fingerprints like why yeah why can't i let's say i know where you live i have I a chip your, i have a chip in my body oh i mean this is absurd <laughs> no because if if your iphone I have can my open apple the door, watch is synced to my phone and it won't work if i'm not uh with my watch i mean i feel like apple watches will be out of date by then <laughs> my and apple they ring come out my yet, apple right? ring will uh will be synced to my phone you would would you wear a ring if it was if it was an apple ring Yes. You do you wear a ring? No. But you don't wear a wedding. Ring. Well, but it doesn't do anything. 
Oh, no. I, well, there's no such thing as like an Apple <laughs> ring. I know you don't wear a, an earring because they don't exist. Not an E-A-R-R-I-N-G, but an E-dash ring. Yes. But, so you, but you do wear a wedding ring. I do when I go places. Like, I, I don't wear one in the house. Oh, it's funny because I don't wear a wedding ring, but women just must assume I'm married because they, you know, they never come over. Yeah, you seem like a married guy. They just assume. Yeah. Wait, why do you only wear one when you go out, though? Well, one, like my wedding ring is too big. Like, uh, it, it, like, fall, like if I was like going to like clap, like it, it could just go flying across the room. It's too big. Um, I would, I wish I had a mulligan on my wedding ring. It's too big and uh, it's not the right size and it's heavy. And um, it's just like, it, like it's annoying. Yeah, I don't, I never got a wedding ring. So I think that was a good decision though. That's a good decision. Because I would have lost it 12 times already. Yeah. And so... I just don't wear it, but like, you know, I feel like if, if I go someplace and I don't wear it, then people are like, hey, what, where's your wedding ring? You know, I'm wearing a wedding ring. And people think it's like, oh, I'm like trying to be like uh, a scumbag and I'm not wearing right. my wedding ring. Oh, you're ring. having problems at home. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, no, I just like, I just don't like my wedding ring. But now, now it's like public record. So you don't even have to wear that. You just tell people. Yeah. <laughs> like, go listen to Seinfeld podcast. Listen to episode uh, 40 of yeah, the Seinfeld Episode podcast. 40, like four, 40 you minutes. Made it 1,000 yeah. at this point. Right, <laughs> right. So it's just, it's just more annoying than anything. So, um, yeah. So the, the fourth and final rule, I'd say, are, is uh, don't make copies of the keys. Oh, um, yeah. I, or, but let's say, how about this? Okay, so I have your keys. I say, Rob, I, I took your key to the store. Here's a birthday present. You know, it's a $50 key. I made three copies and here are them for you. Uh, but really, really, I have the fourth copy. <laughs> yeah, that's a violation. You've broken the covenant of the keys. You've broken the covenant of the keys. Uh, do not make uh, unauthorized copies of the keys. Okay. Okay. And that's the yes, covenant. We have it. I think that's the whole, that's like longer than the United States Constitution. <laughs> got All right. Covenant of the keys. Okay. Uh, thank you, Akiva. Oh, boo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Don't call me I'm boo. Gonna, I'm hanging up. Don't call Hold me on. boo. Um, all right. So where, where are we? We're talking about uh, Jerry and George are fighting in the booth, right? Yeah, they start this. And when Jerry and George fight, they do like a slap fight also. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about Kramer in the van? Like, like he's with like the Charles Manson gang. Yeah, it's a bunch of like really young, drugged out kids. Yeah. Like it's like a cult. It's a cult and they view Kramer's about to become the cult leader before he flies the coop. Yes, they are treating him as like their new leader. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kramer, he does have a lot of world experience, so he's got some stories. That's what you want in the back <laughs> yeah, of a van. Yeah, but his stories are about the ogre took away the keys from the handsome prince. <laughs> and then the guy could like take that like a switchblade. Like if somebody did that to me, I'd cut him like a fish. Um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, I don't know. His version of the stories doesn't really doesn't really add up to uh, what we saw. Yeah. It's funny though. Cause Kramer's like, uh, yeah, you could drop me off here. He's like, he's like really weirded out. But then the guy is like, Hey Kramer, like, where are you going? Like, have you ever killed a man? And Kramer, like, uh, <laughs> like he like steers into the curve. He's like, uh, he's like, what do you think? These hands have been soaking in ivory liquid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Kramer's weirded out by a group of people, then you're, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jerry and George are outside Elaine's door. And Jerry is like, no, you see that the keys belong to me. And because that Elaine was going to give you your keys and I'm going to, I, Elaine was going to give the keys to me. And then I was supposed to get the keys. So I could go in there and get my keys. Um, and uh, George's like, oh, well, how could I have missed that? And he does, uh, maybe because it's a crunk shit. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry's like, what, what did you say? <laughs> Nothing. But, and you, you know, this is one of my pet peeves 
is the sitcom character who doesn't hear something that everyone else on earth hears. <laughs> yeah, but this is uh, intentional. Right, right. But they're, here they're acknowledging it. So it's meta at least. Yeah, he's like, didn't I, yeah, I think I heard something. He's like, no, I didn't say anything. And so we also see Kramer like with the woman trucker. What's going on here? I don't know, but I, they do pull the rarely, uh, the rarely, uh, you know, completed uh, seat switch mid, you know, highway. <laughs> and what happens? Does, it, does the, the truck just ends up breaking down? Um, I, you mean, why does he get off the truck? Oh, no. Like he Kramer has a problem with the double clutch. Yeah. She's, you know, she's I don't know what that is, to be honest, but she keeps saying like, oh, you're having trouble with the double clutch. Yeah. Like Mackie Sasser. Uh, yes. Or uh, or Chuck Knobloch. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we don't really know what's going on, but Kramer says there's nothing sexier than a woman behind the wheel of a semi. Is that true? I, I would I would say if you actually put that, like if you compile data, probably that's not your number one, like, you know, group of ladies in terms of yeah. attractiveness. I find that highly questionable. I find that highly <laughs> questionable. Okay. Maybe, maybe in the early 90s, there was like a different, you know, group of uh, semi drivers, but I, I'm not so sure. All right, so George and Jerry are searching for the keys. They can't find them anywhere. Um, I liked when George uh, said that unless I pull down on this uh, candelabra and a secret door opens, the keys are not here. Yeah, I mean, so again, they search her whole house. I, I, we may have to add rule number five to the covenant of the keys. If you use them in an emergency, do not ransack my house looking for your spare set of keys. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll put that in the Covenant of the Keys. That's in the appendix of the Covenant of the Keys. Is there a sequel? Could are they like selling copies? They could just like now with you know a new a new update. We got to see how the first Covenant of the Keys does. No, it, it got ordered. They had so many pre-orders. They okay. already ordered like a you know a whole second batch. Covenant of the Keys too. The second ring. <laughs> the coventing. <laughs> the covenant. Um, Is it a squeakquel? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Why are there mice involved? I don't. I mean, I, I just like everything should be a squeakquel. Okay, so um, they find this Murphy Brown spec script. Yeah, and obviously they do what all good friends should do. They they pile, you know, they just start tearing it apart and looking at you know their friends' private stuff. Yeah, and Elaine comes in, and who sees Elaine first? I, I think she sees them and kind of freaks out. Yeah, if I'm but not then mistaken. one of the that I think, is it George like throws all the pages onto Jerry. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think Jerry throws them to George, and then George then they keep catching them back and, and forth. Then the it's papers funny. all go up in the air, and she's like, "How dare you?" She's really pissed. Yeah, but then Jerry says it's funny, and for a second she's like, "Okay." You think so? Yeah. <laughs> so very upset about George and Jerry reading the Murphy Brown script. Um, but we do see Kramer has made it to California. He's uh, rollerblading or he's roller skating uh, at Venice Beach. Yeah, this is this is pre rollerblading, Rob. Yes, yes, pre rollerblading. Really, it didn't become popular till I think the next year, maybe. Yeah, and people still continue to this day to roller skate at Venice Beach. To skate and not blade? I think you could do either. I, I'm going to guess you've never roller skated or bladed at Venice Beach. <laughs> no, never. I, I don't think I've ever put on a pair of roller skates uh, since I've left. Actually, you know what? One time I did actually go to a roller. I went to somebody I knew had a birthday party, an adult at a, like a skating rink. And I did, I did put on a pair of roller skates uh, in the uh, last six years, I think. Yeah, I think nowadays to get me put up, to put on a pair of roller skates, five figures minimum. Boom. <laughs> With a decimal point? 
Uh, oh, no, 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 no decimal. I mean, I, we're talking at least 20,000, though. There's you no way. You would put on a pair of roller skates for <laughs> uh, $100? Rob, wait, wait, I don't mean put them on, like, I mean, like, go to, a, like, leave your house, go to a rink, and skate around for 45 minutes. Yeah. For, go, uh, well, I will tell you my quote for that. Go to, a, go to the roller rink uh, mm-hmm. and skate for 45 minutes. Uh, I would do that for probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, 150 to 200 dollars no you that's cheap i mean listen your time's very valuable you're a busy no, I'm guy not gonna, i'm not gonna go and like sit in traffic and stuff like that if, if, it's, if it's gonna be like five hours with the traffic that's not worth it uh well let's say the person pays for an uber to get there you could like do work in the back seat mm, I, I might get car sick i can't do in that much uber? work Why, you get car seat and really you don't go in the back of any car I mean, I could go in the back, but I don't know how much work I could do. And, and, oh, I hear you. You yeah, can like and, type and on your And not your for phone. anything. Like my work, uh, you know, really requires me to be on the internet. So I don't really know. Like I could answer be, emails. I guess so. But uh, I, like typing emails is going to make me in the back of an Uber is going to make me uh, a little nauseous. All right. So it sounds like, you know, all right, fine. I, I'm saying at least a thousand dollars. I'm not even I'm hanging up the phone if you offer me less. You're you're being too precious. For <laughs> no, I don't like roller skating. Yeah. If it was like a Saturday and there's no traffic and get me in, get me out, boom. Yeah, I don't roller skate on Shabbos. I don't know about you. Okay. But the 45 <laughs> minutes might be the toughest part of that. Yeah, I mean, it's just the time. Sure like, I'm not saying my going. time is valuable, but, you know, I'm, I am very lazy. <laughs> okay. So we end up with, you know, uh, Elaine and Jerry sitting on the couch watching the show. And we see, like, you know, Elaine talking about the Murphy Brown spec script. And she says uh, something to Jerry about how, you know, do you know how much money those TV writers make? I thought that was a very odd line to be in the show. I think this whole scene is very meta. This was like really the writers in the writer's room, even though uh, what's his, Melman told us there wasn't really a writer's room. Uh, you know, the, all the writers for the show sort of like putting this together. Like, you know, there's a lot of inside jokes in this two minutes on the couch here. So what are they trying to say that people think it's easy? People think anybody can write a sitcom and that it's easy to do and that it's just easy money. I think that's what they're saying, which I don't think at all is a stereotype nowadays. I think it's actually considered a very hard to get job. And it's, and it's you know, certainly a, a well-paying job. Yeah. Um, I remember in college, um, I read a magazine and I'm trying to remember what it was. I want to say it was like Details Magazine. And mm-hmm. uh, there was like an article where it's like, if you're one of the five funniest people in your fraternity, you could get a job writing on uh, TV uh, and writing on a TV sitcom. I was like, oh, man, this is good news. Uh, but then ironically, then you that, found that you were the 11th funniest guy. in your yeah. But then ironically, this was pre reality TV, which kind of killed off so many of the bad sitcoms, um, but ultimately opened the door for me for other things. But it kind of closed that door uh, to, to make it like really easy to get a sitcom writing job. I will say if I had like three lives, I, I would like to spend one of them like just trying to be. I think it would be so fun to be like in the room ordering Chinese food at like 2 a.m. on a Thursday night. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've done it a tiny bit. I don't know where you're getting Chinese food from at 2 a.m. Oh, wait. In L.A., everything closes so early? I mean, I th- I mean I'm pretty sure you're not going to. There's no Chinese restaurant. It's not like you're in Manhattan or anything like that. Okay, that's fair. But you know what I'm saying. So, yeah. like, late at night, you know, I, I have done it, uh, like, the you know, sort of like everyone's in one room together. But you're not telling jokes. Like, sports is a little as crazy as it sounds. It's a little more serious, the atmosphere. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, in, in probably, a com- you know, the comedy room for a, a sitcom like the writer's room is uh, I, I could imagine it being a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, it's probably you know, a lot of hard work also. Um, but anyway, so uh, what does uh, Elaine say to Jerry in this scene? Oh, you mean what does she mutter? Yeah, I think, um, 
you know, he, he keeps talking. She's very irritable here. You know, he's just talking about, uh, you know, how it's a lot of work. You have to watch all the Murphy Browns, which is funny because I'm sure like when they hire all these writers uh, for Seinfeld, they didn't say like, here's the first 25 episodes on a VHS. Go watch them. There's no way. Yeah. Uh, which is why we have like, you know, people having brothers in one scene and never having a brother again, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like Lost where they would keep a list of, you know, who, who's who. Right. But, uh, so then, oh, so then Elaine's like, can I just watch the show? And then she calls him an a-hole under her breath. Yeah. Uh, very funny. I, I love this running joke. Uh, yeah, it's probably the best part of the episode. Yeah. Um, so now we're watching Murphy Brown and uh, oh my God, there's Kramer on Murphy Brown. I mean, it's pretty out there. Kramer. <laughs> How many days? I want to I want a timeline here. How many days has this been that he's already not only has he been on Murphy Brown, he got cast. It already aired. Yes. Like there's got to be at least a six week backlog here, you know, for them to, you know, uh, cast a, an actor for the show to air. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all uh, fair. That's very fair. It's not like, you know, it's like uh, he's a, like an extra in like SNL. And this is like a live show. Murphy Brown. Um. That's fair. Did you ever watch Murphy Brown? I used to check it out. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't love Murphy Brown, but you know, it was the nineties. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to do. Camera time. There yeah. was, you know, not that much going on. I believe it was on Monday nights on CBS, like nine o'clock. This is really pre the golden era of wrestling uh, on Monday nights. So there really was nothing else to look at. Yeah. Um, it, while, while you mentioned that it's a CBS show, it's worth talking about what the inside look says. Um, it is very unusual for back then for an NBC show to show basically a fake episode of a CBS show on their show. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've, one shows that Seinfeld at least has a little cachet by the end of season three because they're not letting, you know, uh, mad men of the people do this or, uh, you know, the single guy. Yeah. And then, you know, first of all, and is Murphy, Murphy Brown is pregnant in this scene. Yes. Um, but that's a show pregnancy. I don't think Candace Bergen is still pregnant. Yeah. Well, that was the whole big thing controversy with Murphy Brown, that she had a baby out of wedlock. And then Dan Quayle said that it was like, well, that's bad family values. And then it was the whole big thing of like, why is Dan Quayle talking about Murphy Brown? Right. I, I vaguely remember that. Um, I don't think that would be an issue nowadays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would, it would be odd if, you know, somebody running for president in 2016 like the, one of their VP candidates was like talking about like uh, like I really don't think that Lena Dunham on girls should be naked so much on that show like right uh, it would be odd to, to see <laughs> I did them. the math and yeah. Kim uh, Kim Kardashian had her baby at least you know two months before she married Kanye yes yes uh, but at least that's a real person oh that's true yes yeah. tr- well Murphy Brown like it was a <laughs> fictitious character yeah, I guess that is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, but, you know, then, you know, the 90s was like, uh, there really wasn't that much going on. Like, they didn't have that many problems to worry about. It really was, a, you know, a much, a much more simple time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, and again, we're coming out of sort of like the Gulf War stuff and, and things like that. But for the most part, like, uh, you know, from 1992 through 9-11 uh, is a, a, you know, relatively, you know, calm time for. Yeah, you could argue, and I, I don't want to get too serious here, but that's basically the smoothest sailing any country in the history of the world has ever had. Yes. Those nine years. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, I think the first World Trade Center bombing had already happened by now. So it's uh, lots of lots of smooth sailing. Yeah, hurricane here and there. That's true. They would put 
they would put the Yankees won like a few too many World Series in that in that span. Also, yeah. you, you know, you'll have a Black Hawk down here and there. Um, but I think uh, I, I I do think that um, first of all, they would put on like you know garbage shows, and they would be like, oh, 25 million people watched last night, and then it gets canceled because like every other show had <laughs> 40 people were just watching a lot of network television. Yeah, and worrying about Murphy Brown's baby. All right, so she's not pregnant in real life. I checked. She was no. like 46. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and that's uh, basically uh, the end of the episode. Yeah. Kramer's like ludicrously typing. Yes. In this. Uh, and uh, let's talk about some of the things from the inside look, because yeah. uh, they really talk a lot about this. You know, in the inside look, they don't even mention anything about the key storyline or even the Kramer. It's like all they talk about is like you would thought this whole episode is about Murphy Brown. Yeah. I, mean, I guess it like makes sense because from if you're a producer on the show, like the jokes are the jokes. But this is probably what they had to worry about. Like getting permission to do the CBS show going over there. And like while Murphy Baron is filming, they're basically filming a quick scene with Kramer. Like I'm sure it was a big deal at the time. Yeah. And you know, the fact that they were like, Oh, and then Kramer was going to be Murphy Brown's secretary was like such a big deal. And, and again, it's hard for us to say, you know, all this time later about, you know, what it meant to be on Murphy Brown, I guess in that moment, that was probably the height of Murphy Brown's popularity um, to have th- this moment happen on the show. I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Candace Bergen was so like well regarded on this show that she actually had to like quit the Emmys. Like she said, don't give me any more Emmys because she'd won like four or five in a row. Wow. That's a big uh, FYI. Yeah. I, I, and I did not Google that, but I, I seem to remember that from the 90s. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's true, but uh, you could tell us if it's not. But yeah, so it was really, it wasn't the most popular show on TV, but it was probably like the most critically acclaimed. Yeah, it seemed also like on the little bit of the Murphy Brown episode that we watched, it seemed like the extras really, uh, they really, that's a fine-tuned machine of like making all those people walk around and pretending to do stuff. Except for Kramer, who's just, you know, going out of his mind. Yeah, typing furiously. Um, but, you know, it was odd in that, like Murphy Brown, like the bit used to always be like, she'd come out and have a secretary who was like, you know, had like a like a beehive like at the desk. And, and you know, it was always like, it didn't look like it was going to work out. But, you know, uh, Murphy Brown is like very bullish on Kramer as the new secretary. Yeah, never to be seen again. <laughs> yeah, it's not like like I feel like Murphy Brown should have been like, oh, this isn't going to work out. Right. Uh, he doesn't even know how to use a typewriter. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's typing like a lunatic. Uh, <laughs> she's like, he should have been like, uh, like, uh, let's, you know, get this guy out of here by lunch. You know, I feel like that would have been made more sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. But, the, you know, so they don't they don't really pay off that scene in the inside. Look, also, it's funny because like in hindsight, the fact that that uh, Kramer was on Murphy Brown is like one of the most notable things of Murphy Brown. Yeah, because like even though you probably have a thousand channels on your television system, like you have not had a channel play Murphy Brown probably in 15 years. Yeah, it's sort of been forgotten in time. No, I want to say like, is it on Nick at Night? Lifetime or something I think used to rerun Murphy Brown, but I, I don't think know. it's very dated. I can't imagine on any channel now. Yeah, uh, they would have it. It's not like um, you're going to pop in Netflix and uh, like <laughs> run through binge watch Murphy Brown. Um, yeah, I it's pretty. That should be what we do next is the Murphy Brown podcast. Uh, don't make like the problem with that is like then you actually have to sit through an episode of Murphy Brown. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. Do you think that there's ever been a Murphy Brown podcast before? I, I'm going to guess that if you type into iTunes right now, Murphy Brown, it might come back empty. What about Jackson Brown? Uh, with an E at the end, I think that would probably have more, okay. more hits than Murphy Brown. I, so, and they also say like, because the show Murphy Brown did Larry and Jerry a favor, they had to go to the creator of Murphy Brown's 
show, their new show called Love and War, which yeah. I don't remember at all. Do you remember? I don't remember it? it either. If Rob doesn't remember your early '90s show, you guys, uh, you guys had a miss on your hands. Yeah. It was in Matt Rush's uh, miss miss uh, file or whatever it was called. Um, <laughs> that was a, a really uh, inside '90s joke. Um, uh, Love and War. Uh, so they they went on the show and then they show in the inside look the scene that has Jerry and Larry, a rare Larry David uh, full cameo. Yeah, uh, talking about. Someone pitching them a scene where Kramer and Elaine sleep together. Yeah, I vaguely uh, remember it. Uh, so Love and War was a show uh, created by Diane English, I guess, who did Murphy Brown. I uh, had yep. Susan Day uh, as the as the lead uh, of Partridge Family fame uh, and uh, L.A. Law. Uh, and, uh, and then had uh, the great uh, Jay Thomas. And I guess they switched uh, female leads. Annie Potts took over in season two and three. The legendary Annie Potts. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> uh, ran for three seasons on ABC. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, I guess just to tie it up the episode, uh, Jerry uh, does a bit about keys starting the plane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing to write home about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the uh, love, love and war uh, with Jay Thomas. Okay. So um, Akiva, let's, uh, yeah. let's get into this. Uh, where do you rank this episode? Okay, so the keys. I got to find my ranking here. Um, I I don't know. I mean, why? In the meantime, tell me. You know, did, where do you have this in terms of season three episodes? Should we, uh, you know, eulogize season three for a second here? Yeah, I would say that this is probably in the back half of the season three episodes. I mean, I think that there's a lot of classic moments. I mean, I think maybe Kramer on Murphy Brown is probably the closest that we have to a classic moments. There's no classic line. From this episode, I mean, this sort of like sets off the chain of events, which is going to kick off, you know, everybody going to L.A. to go look for Kramer and the smog strangler and that whole storyline. But I would not say that there's anything from this episode that's particularly iconic other than, you know, Kramer was on Murphy Brown. I think as a standalone episode, if you were just watching a rerun on TBS at seven and a half times faster than what it's supposed to be. I heard it's up to nine times faster or nine percent. Oh, really? Yeah. You looked at you looked into Somebody it? Somebody updated. They updated it and they said now it's up to nine percent. That's oh, yeah, because it was two years ago when the guy did the uh, at that soon. It's just going to be all commercials. They're going to show the stand up and then the commercials. Yeah, it's going to. Well, they, they should have. Yeah, they should have maybe just like uh, like one point five X TBS. Yeah, that's not bad. Like, you know, yeah, the, the sec, maybe it's like TBS X, like FX as FXX. Yeah. And, you know, like they actually just, you know, show you the shows there and regular TBS can just have commercials. Yeah, that's good. So the keys I have uh, all the way down at 147. Yeah, I'm not going to fight that. I think as a standalone episode, it's just it's not a great rewatch. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready to uh, get into some of our emails? Yeah, uh, yeah, we got a bunch, I think. We got a lot of emails. Okay, so we might... Uh, uh, not spend too much time on each one. Of course, uh, they come in every week at Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, Akiva, do you want to set up also what we're going to do uh, on our hiatus week? Uh, do you want to set it up? Because I already forgot. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, we, Akiva and I, you know, belabored what are we going to do because uh, it's the end of season three, the start of season four. It's also a week where I'm going to be traveling uh, that we're going to be, uh, I have a wedding that I'm going to be going back to New York. I'm also going to be doing a live podcast taping for Rob as a podcast. Uh, so we have a lot of stuff planned next week. So um, we are going to uh, take this take this time and uh, we are going to, instead of recapping an episode, we are going to rank Akiva's list of the 11 other shows that aired on Thursday nights during the Seinfeld Friends era uh, and come up with a definitive list of ranking these shows 1 through 11. 
I think the, the public has really been yearning for this. Yes, been craving. Uh, and that'll be uh, in between. I don't think we're going to miss a week of the show. I think we'll probably have that up like the beginning of next week, and then we'll have a regular episode up for you guys in two weeks. Yeah, and I would say it's fair to say that the 1 to 11 rankings will not be uh, as maybe it might not be as long as this podcast. Let's just say no, we're not going to dig too deep, but uh, just a little bit of a palate cleanser to get ready between season three and season four. And if you have questions or anything you want to say about the other shows, uh, you could send them to Seinfeld at post show recaps. All right, uh, let's jump in to uh, some of these emails. Uh, here's one from Amir and Amir says uh, a few comments. Rob, why did you move to California? Was it because of the yearning? <laughs> did you have a yearning? Mm, I think I did have a little bit of a, of a yearning. I think I did have like a restlessness where I did say, you know, you know, what do I have on the horizon? What do I have any action? Uh, do, I do I have any reason to get out of bed in the morning? And the answer to those really was no. Uh, and so I said, did you have the bug? I didn't have the acting bug. I've never been, you know, an actor, but I wanted to do something. I said like, well, what am I going to like? Uh, what am I going to do? And I still have that. You know, did you move to, I, I forget. Did you move to LA after the first time you were on second. survivor or after the second, second time? time? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, but I went so to go you, work for a production company. Like I wanted to like, you know, find a job in, you know, working for like doing something in uh, entertainment related. Uh, and so I came out and I had a job when I moved out. here. I didn't, I wasn't like one of these people that just moved out. and was like, Hey, I'm going to start going on auditions and stuff like that. You didn't think like there's going to be these things called podcasts in a few years. And no, I had no idea. Years later, I'm going to be all over that. No, I had no idea. Uh, like I had no idea. Like when I started doing a podcast, I just started doing something. And then it started to, uh, started to snowball. Okay. I have to say for Amir, you know, I, there's a, there's a whole part of his email that's not really related to Seinfeld, but, uh, he took you up on your survivor challenge. I just want to comment on the list of Sunday television. He watches it's very long. He may have the only wife in America who roots for football season to start again. Yes. It's like 20 shows there. Too many shows. So what, what should he cut from that list? Well, he should, he should put Survivor back in, but I, I don't even, uh, I'm not a big John Oliver guy. I, and he mentions Last Man on Earth. Did you watch Last Man on Earth yet, yeah, Rob? Is it good? I heard it was funny. I think it's worth watching, but I'm not a Kristen Shaw fan at all. Okay. Um, this is Craig from Vancouver, Canada. All right, Rob and Akiva, I've had enough. This season, Rob made fun of my beloved Expos, and Akiva agreed that Quinoa was the pesto of today, only to change his mind a podcast later. That's it. I've had enough. Give me the podcast keys. Yep. Hand them over. No Seinfeld podcasting for you. Uh, <laughs> you two can go podcast about Mad About You if you want to podcast about something. That's coming. It's coming. <laughs> uh, uh, and then also, uh, Craig has uh, a tribute to uh, Daniel Vaughn uh, Bergen. So. Uh, yeah, um, it is. It is very sad. Mr. I, it feels like since we started the show, we've lost a few of the, uh, you know, sort of like the more minor characters of the of the show. Yeah, it's definitely like, uh, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a trend. I think it's going to continue uh, throughout the course of this podcast. I think more the longer we do this podcast, the more people from Seinfeld are going to move on to the alternate side. Oh, no, I yeah. hope that's not a threat. No, but oh, by the way, um, I should add uh as he points out, uh, Daniel von Bergen was also the, did you ever watch Malcolm in the Middle? No. He was like the drill sergeant for uh, the older brother of Malcolm in the Middle. Okay. Eventually, like hopefully like 80, 90 years from now that they'll be like, when they talk to like, here's the last surviving person from the Civil War. Like they'll be like the last surviving person from Seinfeld. Yeah. Who do you think that would be? 
uh, the kid that was uh, his parents owned the yogurt the store. Yo- I was about to say the same thing. I feel like he's the most prominent kid. What about the bubble boy? The bubble, you think boy. The bubble boy. Like he lives in a bubble. How's he getting sick? Yeah, but he wasn't even a boy and we never even really saw him. He was just like, that's uh, true. He right. He might be 50. We're not sure. Yes. And I think it was it just Larry David's voice. <laughs> wasn't even well, like, listen, let's Rob, let's not break uh, kayfabe here. OK, uh, I would say also, uh, what about the uh, the baby that was uh, from uh, that Kramer dropped on the on his head? Well, he dropped the baby like, you know, the baby already may have like a traumatic brain injury. We don't it's know. It's like LBJ. Yeah, yeah. The, it looks like LBJ. Uh, his brother, we know, is is hideous or breathtaking. It's an argument. Yeah. So we'll see who's the last surviving member of the Seinfeld cast. I, uh, I would argue also Newman may live forever. Like, he's evil. Let's hope so. Even though there was a hoax that he died recently. I, yeah, I feel like he's at the level of fame where he's going to have a lot of, like, death hoaxes. Okay. Uh, Travis Amendinger, uh, he says, I'm begging you to do Akiva's highly anticipated serial rankings podcast. And I'm really putting uh, some beg into it. I'm not just, just just saying that I'm begging. Serial's the biggest thing to hit podcasting in the last year, and you need to ride the wave. Uh, additional overdue topics include Akiva's top movies of 2014 and his thoughts on the last episode uh, or the, the at least one episode of The Big Bang Theory. Uh, and there probably should be others. So maybe some stuff for in between season four and five. Listen, we have we have about six more breaks between uh, you know Seinfeld seasons before we start the Nanny podcast. So. I, I, we have plenty of time to do all this. If Travis really is yearning and he can't wait, uh, you know, hit me up on Twitter or something, Travis. I will, you know, I could, I will give you my my serial list in any form you want. How about this? How about this, Akiva? If yes. if by popular demand people would rather hear your serial podcast ranking ranking as opposed to the uh, ranking the eleven uh, Thursday night shows, would would you audible to the serial podcast? I don't think anyone cares besides okay, well, Travis. I'm just, I'm I mean, just saying, besides people, me and Travis, <laughs> if there if there is an uproar or people want the serial podcast, uh, would you make the switch? Would you audible the line of scrimmage? I, whatever, whatever the people want, we give the people what they want. Okay, all right, let us know. All right, um, how about uh, Johnny D. Silvera? Johnny D. Silvera wants to know uh, why wouldn't Kramer just fly from New York to L.A.? Listen, I mean, money's tight when you're completely unemployed. Yes. Also, when you're yearning, you want to, you know, you want to have some thinking time. You don't want to just take a five hour flight. You want to really reevaluate your life on the road. Yeah. Uh, Let's uh, go to Chester. Also, Uh, Chester says, uh, why would George give his keys to Elaine instead of Jerry? George is over at Jerry's apartment every day. The only time I've ever seen him at Elaine's apartment is when he was dating her big nose roommate. Uh, I don't think they were roommates. I think she was just a friend of Elaine's. Yeah, correct. We know her roommate is the is the actress waitress still. Yes. Um. Also, uh, this is what Chester uh, wants to know. Uh, how does Jerry know Babs Kramer's number by heart? You know, he's he's pretty smart, Chester. That's a good question. There's no way. I mean, I guess people used to. Have- well, here's well, here's how I'll explain it. Oh, no. Kramer yeah. is at Jerry's house all the time. He's on Jerry's phone all the time. Uh, Babs is a speed dial on Jerry's phone because Kramer is on Jerry's phone all the time. Yeah, that's pretty smart. Maybe all 10 of the speed dial numbers are. Or yeah. Kramer related. Maybe Jerry doesn't use the speed dial. Well, it, we know that he wants to be on other people's speed dials. We certainly learned that in a later <laughs> episode. Yes. Uh, is speed dial invented at the time of this episode? I think so. Okay. All right. Um, let's uh, come up with a hashtag. Uh, I think it's got to be Covenant of the Keys, right? Yeah, no question. No Covenant question. of the Keys. Covenant of the Keys. That's this podcast. All right. Next time, we will talk about the 11 Thursday night must-see TV shows that are not Seinfeld and Friends and rank them. 
Yeah, should, should, should we list them off now to get people uh, with bated breath? Yeah, give us the 11 real quick. Yeah, you tell me if you, if you were a big fan of any of them quickly. Okay. Uh, single guy. Single guy, yes. Boston Common. Yes. Caroline in the City. Yes. You were a big fan of all three of these. Uh, n- n- single guy I like the most out of these three. Okay. Uh, Suddenly Susan. Okay. Naked Truth. Fired Up. Have not found that one anywhere on the internet. <laughs> I don't even remember Fired Up, yeah. I <laughs> can't find it. I don't know how long it lasted. Union Square can only find the pilot shot with the uh, different actress if someone wants to tell me about that one. Uh, Just Shoot Me. Yes. Veronica's Closet. And then uh, the two, the first two uh, were Madman of the People and Hope and Gloria. <laughs> okay. I have my work cut out for me this week. <laughs> yes. Uh, Madman of the People. That was uh, about the advertising agency. You know, I, I, I don't know, but that's also really difficult. I think find. that was that, the, that they were all uh, working in advertising and it was like set in the 60s. Uh, really? Yeah. I think, oh, oh, I'm, I'm dumb. I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> I was Googling the show and I totally, totally missed. It was, uh, it was with Dabney Coleman, actually. Yes. Yes. The great Dabney Coleman. Okay. Um, all right. So, uh, we will be back next week. Uh, thanks to, uh, Mike Moore for writing his excellent recap. Thanks to Scott St. Pierre, uh, for editing these shows together. And, uh, thank you, Akiva for a great job in season three a- MVP of season three. Uh, so very quickly, see a season ranking so far, three, then two, then one. Correct. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll have to, after about season five, we'll give that more than two seconds. But I think at this point, it's not an argument. Okay, which of the characters MVP of season three? Ooh, good question. Um, do, you have, do you have someone with, I mean, there's not enough Newman. It's got to be one of the big four at this point. Yes. So who, do, who are you thinking? Season three MVP, I think, give it to, boy, Kramer really came in. For me, it's between Kramer and George. Yeah, I mean, George is really great uh, in this. You know, he starts really being like a pathetic loser. You know, Kramer's great in the subway. You know, he doesn't have a lot. I, I, you know, George is amazing in the limo. I'm going to go with George for, for season three. I think you're right. Congratulations, George Costanza, MVP of season and three. The second banana of the year and MVP in the same week. Wow. What a week. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, and uh, the second MVP of season three of Seinfeld is Canada. Yeah, I, we know, you know we have a lot of Canadian listeners. I don't want to, you know, I'm a quarter Canadian, Rob. I, I don't want to. I did not know that. Yeah, my grandfather. I was, would not uh, have guessed that. My grandfather. Why? You think I'm like, uh, I'm all American all the way. I am like fifth generation American on my, on the Wienerker side, but yeah. on the uh, Wolgalerinter side, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you know, they're Canadian. Okay. Uh, it's all going to be in the biography one day. Uh, I hope not. Yes. All right. I feel, I feel like at this point in the biography, I'd have to like commit multiple murders. Oh no. Don't do Possibly, that. you know, it would be like if some, a lot of people lent me their keys, I would be like the key strangler. Key strangler. All right. Um, Akiva. Not the smog strangler. That's right. That's right. All right. We'll be back again uh, to talk about our rankings of must-see TV. Love to hear what you guys have to say in the comments. Thanks so much for listening to all of our season three podcasts. Really appreciate that. Uh, if you want to subscribe, go to posterrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Talk to you again soon. Take care, everybody. Bye.